It takes a special kind of evil to do the things that he's done. This is a monster. Uh, he, he, he's just a, a, an extremely bad person. That was New Smyrna Beach Police Sergeant Chris Kirk and Police Chief Mike Coffin describing Lynn Eugene Young, who last week was charged in the 1990 murder of 88-year-old Whitney Gunn. The story behind that long-awaited arrest is coming up on Sun Crime State. I'm Tony Holt, crime reporter for the Daytona Beach News Journal. Welcome to Sun Crime State, a weekly podcast that takes an in-depth look at Florida's biggest crime stories of the past and present. In this episode, I'll discuss the recent arrest of Deland City Commissioner Jeffrey Hunter. Back in December, Hunter reported to police he was the victim of a blackmailing scheme. A man who was the boyfriend of Hunter's ex wound up getting arrested, but law enforcement kept its eye on Hunter, and on Wednesday, he was charged with one count of illegal sale or delivery of hydrocodone. Later, I'll discuss the arrest of a man linked to the 1990 homicide of an elderly woman. Whitney Gunn was asleep in her bed when she was awakened the morning of July 25th, 1990. She was raped and beaten by her attacker. Gunn managed to call 911 and clung to life for a few days before dying from her injuries. Nearly 28 years later, a DNA match was made by an analyst at the Florida Department of Law Enforcement. The New Smyrna Beach Police Department announced Wednesday the indictment of Lynn Eugene Young, who is serving life in prison for a previous conviction. My special guest for that episode will be New Smyrna Police Sergeant Chris Kirk and New Smyrna Mayor Jim Hathaway. Coming up, the story of a city commissioner jailed on suspicion of dealing drugs. Hunter has done absolutely nothing wrong. I can tell you that we have already filed a written plea of not guilty. We will have prescriptions, um, lawful prescriptions that we can show, and we'll see when this supposed, you know, transaction took place. That was defense attorney Jason Haar, who on Wednesday stood outside the Volusia County Branch Jail and told reporters that his client, Deland City Commissioner Jeffrey Hunter, was innocent of his felony drug charge. The 59-year-old Hunter was charged earlier that day with the sale or delivery of hydrocodone. The investigation was handled by the Florida Department of Law Enforcement, commonly known as FDLE. Hard told the News Journal and other media outlets Wednesday that Hunter did nothing wrong and that a bonus allegation was made by a former girlfriend who was hell-bent on getting back at Hunter. Hunter was released that night after posting $25,000 bail. According to FDLE, Hunter had given his ex-girlfriend hydrocodone pills on at least seven different occasions. Agents also said he had left a number of voicemails on the woman's phone in which he talked about the amount of pain pills he had available. Har insisted the pills were legally prescribed by Hunter, who pleaded not guilty during his first court appearance last week. A spokeswoman with FDLE 
said her agency launched an investigation into Hunter in February after the Volusia County Sheriff's Office asked the state agency to look into allegations that Hunter was trafficking drugs. It was while Volusia deputies were investigating a complaint from Hunter about being the victim of fraud and extortion that they learned about the drug activity, this according to FDLE. In December, Hunter told deputies he was being defrauded by a former girlfriend, Jessica Sutton. Hunter said he had paid the woman about $15,000 for medical treatments she claimed she needed. Hunter soon began to doubt whether Sutton had ever used the money for any medical procedures. Based on the allegations that surfaced during that investigation, Sutton faked her own death in an attempt to avoid repaying Hunter. Meanwhile, Sutton's boyfriend, Jose Santiago, began extorting Hunter, according to the sheriff's office. Deputies said Santiago was arrested December 18th outside a bank where he had agreed to meet Hunter and collect 12 grand in cash. Santiago, who's still awaiting trial, is accused of threatening to have his girlfriend report that she was raped by Hunter unless the commissioner paid him. After the news broke about Santiago's arrest, Har began addressing the media on Hunter's behalf. At the time, Har said there was no reason to assume Hunter did anything wrong. He was the victim. Six months later, Hunter got arrested. Har remains firmly in his corner. Hunter was elected to the city commission in 2016. DeLand is located about 20 miles southwest of Daytona Beach, and it's the county seat of Volusia County. It touts itself as the Athens of Florida and is known for its historic downtown area. Hunter's intention is to keep serving on the city commission. Here again is his attorney. He knows he will be found to be completely innocent of any possible wrongdoing. He has absolutely no intention of resigning his position with the city of DeLand, a job that he takes incredibly seriously. City officials told the News Journal that Hunter's future on the commission is essentially up to the governor, who has the authority to suspend him. If Hunter is convicted or pleads guilty, the governor would permanently remove him. But if he is acquitted or has his charges dropped, he could be reinstated. A spokesman with Governor Rick Scott says the matter is being reviewed. Coming up, the story of an arrest in a 28-year-old homicide case out of southeast Volusia County. I think that a case like this has to affect you. You know, we, we kind of learn to separate ourselves and, and look at things as factual and try to not be emotional about it. But such an extreme case like this, I, I think it has an effect on anyone that's close to it. During the early morning hours of July 25, 1990, 88-year-old Whitney Gunn was awakened by some racket that seemed to be coming from inside her house. Every light was off, so it was pitch black. Gunn was a widow. She lived by herself at 219 Live Oak Street, located in downtown New Smyrna Beach. 
She had been in that house for 50 years. Before she could do anything, Gunn was attacked by a male intruder. Gunn was raped. She was beaten, and she received several blows to her head and face. Her assailant left the house, and she managed to crawl to a phone and call 911. She could speak to police, but there was little she could say. Due to the darkness, she couldn't provide much of a description. She was rushed to what was then Fish Memorial Hospital in New Smyrna Beach. But the local police department and agents from FDLE scoured the home for clues. Gunn remained in critical condition for a few days, but in the end, she died from her injuries. There were no witnesses. Investigators surmised the suspect reached through a window in the rear of the house and unlocked the back door. Nothing had been stolen from the home. Police warned residents in the area to be on the lookout and to lock and secure their homes. Here is New Smyrna Beach Mayor Jim Hathaway describing how shaken city residents were when they heard about what had happened to one of their own. I don't recall that there was hysteria. I I think there was great concern. I think, you know, the fact that you would have women uh, raped and murdered in in downtown New Smyrna Beach, it just just isn't something that happens. You know, we're a very small and friendly and, and open community. You wouldn't think that would happen in in New Smyrna Beach. Today, the population of New Smyrna is about 25,000 residents. It's a beachfront city frequented by vacationers, particularly those from the more central areas of Florida. It has been jokingly referred to as Orlando's Beach. In 1990, the population was about 17,000 residents. It was a small town. That level of violence was not something people expected there. Whitney Gunn was well known. During the 1940s and 50s, she and her husband, Walter, ran a hardware store on Canal Street. Her husband also served as New Smyrna's city manager during the mid-1960s. Here again is Mayor Jim Hathaway. New Smyrna's was always a small town, kind of a sleepy town. And when, when you hear something as tragic as someone who was a former city manager's wife getting uh, raped and, and, and bludgeoned to death by, by some person, it, it certainly you know, strikes you to your core. You, you, you think that, how could this happen in New Smyrna Beach, especially in downtown New Smyrna Beach? The 65-year-old Hathaway grew up in New Smyrna and graduated from high school there. Before becoming mayor, he served for many years on the city commission, just like his father before him. It was during his father's time as mayor that the city commission hired Walter Gunn to be its city manager. It wound up being a relatively short stint. Well, I hate to say it, uh, under my father's leadership, you know, the commission uh, let um, uh, Mr. Gunn go as city manager. And I remember years later talking with my father after I was a city commissioner, and he was well in his retiring years, said he regretted uh, having to let uh, Walter Gunn go as city manager. He said he, he was a, a good city manager, and, you know, I think it was the politics at the time that, that played a big part in, in letting, letting him go. In spite of the job termination, Walter Gunn and his wife remained residents of New Smyrna. 
It's where they had raised their daughter. It was their happy home. The news of Gunn's murder and the manner in which it was carried out shocked the community. The police department at the time offered its services to inspect homes, making sure their doors, lights, and locks were in proper working order. Police offered this to anyone who requested it, another sign of how much a close-knit town New Smyrna was. One of the only pieces of evidence collected at the scene of the crime that was disclosed to the media was a set of car keys that seemed to have been left behind by Gunn's killer. They were actually found in Gunn's bed. The car key fit a 1975 Volvo station wagon. Police traced that key to a vehicle in Edgewater, but no additional information was ever released. That was in September of 1990. In August 1995, in a story on the five-year anniversary of the killing, police told the News Journal they had a suspect, but they didn't disclose his name. Police also said in the article they had exhumed Gunn's body in June of that year in an effort to collect more blood and tissue samples for DNA testing. In that same article, Gunn's daughter, Libby King, told the news journal, quote, You can't imagine what my family is going through to know that happened. I was so close to my mother, and so were my kids. We're all disgusted. The wait for an arrest wouldn't end for another 23 years after that article was published. King is now in her late 70s. Here is New Smyrna Beach Police Chief Mike Coffin addressing the media Wednesday. He mentioned his conversation with King. spoke to the family yesterday. Um, spoke to uh, her daughter in person. And I spoke to her uh, granddaughter, Wendy Gunn's granddaughter, by telephone. They are relieved. Uh, they have a lot of questions. The, the biggest question is why. That's a question I can't answer for them. I mean, how do you tell someone that this monster broke into this beautiful lady's house and... and beat her to death and took her life. There is no answer. King, who lives in Winter Haven, a suburb of Orlando, chose not to attend Wednesday's media conference. It was there that Coffin announced to the world that 45-year-old Lynn Eugene Young had been indicted for the rape and murder of Whitney Gunn. Coffin gave high praise to the detectives from his agency, as well as those at FDLE and the state attorney's office for their dogged pursuit of an indictment. While addressing the media, Coffin stood at a lectern with a photo of Whitney Gunn. It was the only photo he wished to show. They were relentless in pursuing the facts and never gave up hope that we would find justice for Whitney Gunn. That's what today is about. This is about Whitney Gunn. This is a picture of Whitney Gunn that, that we got from, from her daughter, and I, I want to thank her again for allowing us to take this uh, and, and use it today. I'm not providing a, a, a picture during this news conference of the suspect. He doesn't deserve to be in the same breath or associated with someone who is as beautiful and as sweet as Whitney Gunn. Coffin specifically congratulated detectives Dave Donaway and Nikki Diffin, who work at his agency, as well as FDLE analyst Tim Petrie. 
Here is Coffin talking about the winding road that investigators took to land their suspect. Yeah, we went back, um, the investigators went back and really combed through all the evidence that we took 28 years ago. Uh, the evidence was, um, it had been handled several times. It had actually been tested one time before for a lab that was, uh, I believe, destroyed back in Hurricane Katrina. Uh, we sent it to a lab in Louisiana. So we went back and uh, they've done away and Nikki Dippin uh, combed through this evidence and we submitted multiple pieces of evidence back to FDLE. And again, Tim Petrie took the time and, and the patience to go through this and, and use all the advanced techniques that FDLE uses in uh, DNA analysis. And he was able to come up with a profile. Uh, at that point, uh, we were able to connect that to uh, Lynn Young, and then we verified that with another uh, with a search warrant on sample for his DNA right now. Lynn Young was a person of interest in the case from the beginning, but there wasn't enough evidence to link him to the crime. Young was 17 years old when Gunn was attacked. His run-ins with the law began soon thereafter. In 1991, when he was 18 years old, he was charged with attempted sexual battery by force. He served nearly four years in prison. He was released in March 1996. In January 1997, he committed a burglary and rape in Edgewater, a neighboring city to New Smyrna. The victim in that case was 65 years old. In that case, Young knocked on the door and identified himself as a police officer. It was about 11 p.m. The victim looked through the peephole, but the man outside covered it with his hand. The victim cracked open the door to peek inside. That's when Young shoved his foot inside and pushed the door forward, knocking the victim backward. He forced her into her bedroom, where he raped her. There was more evidence left behind at that scene compared to the scene at the gun house. For instance, some leaves were tracked in the house that didn't match any of the plants on the victim's property. Additionally, the suspect had washed his hands before leaving the house. A couple of hairs were found in the sink. He also used his shirt to wipe down the areas of the house he had touched. Before he left, Young told the woman, quote, I know what you're going to do. That likely meant he knew she was going to call police. He gave her a phony name and left. The victim called 911. A composite drawing of the suspect was made. Detectives with the Volusia County Sheriff's Office visited some of the local eating establishments in the area. Someone at a steakhouse in neighboring Oak Hill recognized a similarity between the person depicted in the drawing and an ex-con who had been in the bar the night of the attack. The person identified the man as Lynn and said he had gotten into an argument with a woman in the bar and left in a state of anger, but it did not appear he had a car. He left the premises on foot. The witness also told deputies that Lynn had recently been released from prison. Detectives soon learned a man by the name of Lynn Eugene Young had been released from prison less than a year earlier, and he lived in the area. Additionally, 
a canine had tracked the scent of a suspect and lost the scent in the area of Coleman Street. Young's parents lived in a house on Coleman Street. Eventually, the victim picked Young out of a lineup. More evidence was collected and Young was charged, tried, and convicted. While at his trial, Young's parents asked the judge for leniency. They referred to an accident Young had suffered at 15 years old. He had climbed onto a transformer to retrieve a racquetball. An electrical current shocked him, which caused brain damage. He was never the same after that. That's the story his parents told the judge, who wasn't swayed. He sentenced Young to life in prison. At the time, Young's attorney called the sentence both harsh and unnecessary. But unbeknownst to him, Young was a suspect in a murder from seven years earlier. One week ago, a grand jury indicted Young on charges of first-degree murder, burglary with a battery, and sexual battery by the use of force causing serious injury. The following day, on Tuesday, authorities from New Smyrna traveled to Hardy County Correctional Institution in Bowling Green, where Young is housed. They advised him of his indictment. He didn't have much to say, but Coffin said Young told them he had never met Gunn. We've attempted to speak with him on, on multiple occasions. Uh, right now, he's cowering in his cell, silent. Um, and he refuses to talk about this case at all. The only thing I can tell you that, that he did tell us was that he did not know Whitney Gunn, never met Whitney Gunn, never had a relationship with Whitney Gunn. Um, so to me, uh, that's about as random as it gets. Chris Kirk is the sergeant in charge of the major case unit at the new Smyrna Beach Police Department. Here he is talking about how much goes into solving a case that has remained open for nearly three decades. I, I think it's such an impressive thing to see a case like this. You know, it's, it's 28 years old, so this case happened before any of us were involved in this agency. So obviously there's been a lot of work done on this case over the years. It's been picked up several times, reviewed several times, several other agencies outside of ours. So to have people come in to review work that's already been done, to make sense of all that, figure out new directions and make a new plan. Detectives Donnelly and Diffin just did a tremendous job organizing and going through that and making a plan to move forward. And then the other outside agencies, you know, FDLE, the state attorney's office, working together to make it all go smoothly, keep the direction moving forward. And our chief pushed a lot to have it move forward. So that team comes together and, you know, like I said, it's really satisfying when all of that stuff kind of comes to a head as it did. I asked New Smyrna Beach Police last week whether that set of keys found inside Gunn's house was ever connected to Young. All the spokesman would say is that there was more work left to be done. Enough evidence has been obtained to indict Young, but there are still some blanks to be filled in. Kirk told me that the realization of what lies ahead 
has tempered some of the enthusiasm police otherwise might have felt after making an arrest in the gun murder. I think the mood's a hard thing to judge because obviously with such an old case to finally crack through, it's extremely exciting, but it's you know, there's still so much work to be done still after that moment. And there's so many other cases as well that you're hoping to crack as you're going through those. So it's a little bit of a mixed bag. It, it's a great thing to be able to finally take a huge step forward, uh, but there still feels like there's so much to be done. Detectives not only have more to do in the gun case, they have more to do in a few other unsolved cases. None looms larger right now than the slang of Jennifer Duffy. Less than 14 months after Gunn was killed in September 1991, the 21-year-old waitress was stabbed while asleep in her home. An intruder had crawled through the window, killed Duffy with a knife, and then stabbed another woman sleeping in the house before running out the door. The second woman who was stabbed was not seriously injured. Duffy's home was located down the road from Gunn. She, too, lived on Live Oak Street. There have always been suspicions that the two homicides were linked. I asked Chief Coffin about that last week. About, uh, well, a short distance away, about a year later, Jennifer Duffy was slain by similar means. Is he linked to that as well? I have no idea at this point, but I'm glad you brought up Jennifer Duffy. We have some other unsolved cold cases. Um, this particular case offered us a, an opportunity to solve it at this time. But just like I said, these investigators did not quit on the gun case. I want to make this very clear to everybody that's out there. We will never, ever give up trying to find out who killed Jennifer Duffy. Here is Sergeant Kirk talking more about the Duffy case. There's no higher priority for us than, than trying to get through Jennifer Duffy's case and our other cold cases. Uh, we are actively working on the case. We're currently reviewing DNA evidence in that case. Uh, it is assigned to a detective and being worked. I can't comment on how close we are as we're still trying to put together a, a lot of different things to develop some leads and look at some old leads, uh, but it is actively being worked and it is a priority. As for Young, even though he was 17 years old at the time of the murder, the state attorney's office intends to try him as an adult. A first-degree murder conviction warrants an automatic life sentence. Young won't be eligible for the death penalty because he was a juvenile at the time of the slaying. For Hathaway, who was retiring from public service at the end of the year, the end of the line in the gun investigation is a welcome development for him and the city. Extremely elated. Let me just say that I know that our police department worked diligently. I know that they worked very well with FDLE and with the state attorney's office. I'm grateful for all the uh, the folks who gave tireless hours into you know researching and doing what they did and, and investigating the case. And and we're really really uh, thrilled about what our police department has done. And in connection with all the other uh, agencies that were involved in, in, in solving this case, and I know, I know that the Gun family has to be, uh, you know, very, very satisfied with the fact that they now know this individual who took the life uh, of poor Whitney Gun. Thank you for listening. 
at the end of last week's episode. I said I would spend today's episode profiling the cold case murder of Brian Sweat, who was killed outside his home 13 years ago in Gainesville. Due to the breaking news last week out of New Smyrna Beach, that segment got pushed back a week. I will discuss the Sweat homicide next Monday. Among my special guests will be Gainesville Police cold case detective Martin Honeycutt. I'll also be talking to Captain Mike Shentrup, who was the original detective assigned to the case. Join us then. You can find Tony on Twitter at TonyCrimeWriter or email him at Tony.Holt at News-JRNL.com. Be sure to rate us on iTunes. Sun Crime State is recorded by Tony Holt and produced by Chris Bridges for the Daytona Beach News Journal. 